Hi, my name is Clarabel A. Ortega, and I'm the author of Ghost Squad. And I'm Kat Cho, author of Wicked Fox, and this is Ride or Die. What you missed last week on Ride or Die. Clarabel, welcome. Hi. Ride or Die. How are you? I've never been here before. I'm good. Yeah, and this week is debut week for Clarabel. Your feelings are kind of running away with you, and then all of a sudden you said on Twitter that YA is dead. <laughs> so, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden you're just like, hashtag YA is dead on Twitter. It's trending. Like, it's just this big thing. People are making TikToks about it. <laughs> not it's t- not TikToks. But it's been a great experience. It's really, it took a long time to get to this point. And like, obviously I'm still dealing with adversity. It's like the freaking theme, but I'm, I'm grateful that like, I, I'm here, you know, because all those years of me working really hard to get to this point and I'm at this point, regardless of how it's unfolding, which you can't control. Okay. So for people who have not read up about ghost how dare and you if they haven't then <laughs> then i don't know why you think you can listen to ride or die have you bought you your prerequisite that. 20 copies yeah pre-order <laughs> 20 copies um just in case like this is the first episode someone decided to listen to or like someone's grandma is listening with them because they're in the car together sure Can you explain to that person's grandma what Ghost Squad is about? Sure. So Ghost Squad is the story of Luceli Luna, who is a 12-year-old Dominican-American girl who lives in St. Augustine, Florida with her father, Simon, who runs the Luna Ghost Tour. Um, They're not doing financially well, and their house is in danger of being taken away from them. And at the same time, um, Luceli's grandmother, who is actually a ghost and lives on as a firefly, as do all of her ancestors in her backyard, um, she becomes um, unresponsive. And Luceli's freaking out because her ghost um, family is all she has. So together with her best friend, Sid, they find this spell in a graveyard which i don't recommend to you guys and um (laughs) when they um when they intone the spell they actually awaken malicious spirits who are now want to take over saint augustine and drag all of the city into the underworld unless luceli and sid and sid's witch grandmother babette along with her fat cat chunk um bond together to form the ghost squad and to send them back where they came from and save their city and Lucelli's fireflies. Yay. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's so good. I love every small detail <laughs> that you've included in this book. I just like, I love it. I think like people can, people can definitely latch on to like the big picture things, like the idea of the ghosts and the ghost tour and the Dominican folklore and the best friends and the fat cat chunk. I I actually personally have such an attachment to the fact that you decided to set it in St. Augustine, yeah. partly because I I mostly grew up in Florida, right. and so we would go to St. Augustine a lot, mm-hmm. and so I randomly know like weird facts about it. Also, if you grow up in Florida, you have to study St. Augustine because it's the United it's the oldest settlement in the mm-hmm. United States. Yeah, and it's in Florida, so <laughs> you learn all this like cool stuff about it, and you're like, oh, that is pretty amazing, and I just feel like. 
it's a really cool place. People should definitely learn more about it. I love that the book is set Yeah, there. it's so interesting. And it's a place where books aren't normally set, right? Like, you you yeah. have books set in, like, certain places. And it's such a specifically cool place to set ghost stories because it's so old and because there's so much history there. Mm-hmm. And because there's such, so, like... Literally, there's a lighthouse that looks like it's straight out of Beetlejuice, like with the black and white stripes going oh, down. Sure. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, I really loved it. And like, I didn't grow up in Florida, but my parents got there where they now live their house there when I was in in high school. So I spent like almost every summer there, and it really does feel like my second home. And I I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a really cool sort of homage to to the city itself and to the history and all of the cemeteries that are there. Um, yeah, and it was really cool. It was for it sure. Was, I mean, Saint Augustine is definitely haunted. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, if it if you, it were up to me, I think everything's haunted, but especially Saint Augustine. <laughs> <laughs> There's some places where like. Maybe a ghost will pass through every once in a while, but like St. Augustine is like home to many right. ghosts. That's where ghosts go to reti- like a permanent retire. St. Augustine. <laughs> the floor their Florida retirement in St. Augustine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. No, definitely. I yeah. The I it's it, it's really interesting too because I so I read Timekeeper when it was still called Timekeeper. And, um, and I've read Ghost Squad and it's like, I, I read both books and I, and I could say to myself, this is a Clarabelle book, but they also have distinctly different voices at the same Mm -hmm. time. I will say like, I, I vibe with your middle grade voice (laughs) so hard. That's because I'm still still 12 in my heart. That's why. For reals. But like, do you find that hard to kind of um, shift gear? Because I know that I know that you're not just in middle grade mode, you know, all the time. And then next season, you're in YA mode, you do go back and forth between projects. It's the way it's the way we have to right. be because of contracts and deadlines. Like, how do you how do you do that? Um, it took practice, I would say, I, I think I'm a lot better at it now, especially because like middle grade voice comes naturally to me, I feel like I fit into middle grade, just as an author, like, that's where I naturally live. I had to work on my Mm -hmm. YA voice more so. Now that I feel more comfortable in my YA voice, I would say I don't have that big of a, I don't have a hard time switching between the two. I would say that I did in the beginning. I had a hard time making my YA sound like YA. I never had a hard time making my middle grade sound like middle grade. But now it's a lot easier for me. Like, I know what my style is when I write young adult and I know what my style is when I write middle grade and like I for the past couple months I was drafting three middle working on two drafting two middle grades and revising one middle grade and then writing a YA and I would switch back and forth constantly and then it wasn't like this like difficult shift that I had to do it just like really came easily for me and I think that's also sort of like comes from knowing like what story my characters are actually living and going through once I figure that out I'm like in a good space that makes a lot of sense that's really good advice too that I will take (laughs) under advisement personally yeah for sure well I also think that like you know, it's. I was discussing this with somebody about the fact that there's an age group that kind of has some overlap because upper middle grade mm. could technically also be called lower YA, right. but it just depends on what the characters are going through. Right. Um, they might be the same age. They might have similar mindsets, but like if 
you know, they're what they're dealing with is a more YA theme than it should technically be called right. lower YA. Right. Um, even if they're 14. Yeah. Or 13 or 14. Yeah. So it's interesting um, that there is a there. It's hard sometimes to figure out the voice because, you know, kids develop differently and depending on what their concerns are. And I do think there's something to be said about um, kids of color mm. and how they kind of in some ways are forced to grow up faster. But in other ways, they have a certain kind of emotional rawness that comes with having to grow up as a person of color in the United States. So yep, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that that is, that's like something that I, is sort of like a point of contention for me when people talk about how books are like, quote unquote, too adult when they should be YA. And it's like, well, to you, because of your experience growing up and like, Every child is different. And when we're coming from a place of a child who has to had to deal with poverty or be like the sole <laughs> breadwinner of their home as a kid because their parents were, you know, not around or had substance abuse problems. There's so many different things that like if you're coming from a pr- place of privilege, you can't even fathom and it feels like fiction to you, but it's actually some people's lives. So when I see, you know, kids that are quote unquote too grown up for their age, I'm like, well, look at the circumstances that they're coming from. And I think, you know, not to be a fangirl on Maine, but I think part of a a big uh, example of this is Six of Crows. People talk about Six of Crows actually being adult all the time. And it's like, well, you're not listening to the backstory of these kids, right? Of the fact that Kaz, you know, came over as a kid and had to fend for himself from a young age or that Inej was sold into the sex trade as a, you know, as a sex worker from a very young age, like trafficked, you know, um, all of these things actually happen to children who are forced to grow up faster than, you know, someone who has had the privilege of having a childhood. And I think that that happens in a lot of books, a lot of, you know, more of newer books where the author is trying to convey the fact that, you know, this child had to grow up faster because of their circumstance. And they're not the child that you would see on like a, a sitcom. Right. Um, And I think that's really lost and a lot of people don't take that into account when we're talking about what's for teens and what's for adults. Um, It's like, well, which teens? Teens are nuanced. There are lots of different kinds of teens, teens who had so many different upbringings. And I argue that we should have space for all of them. We should make room for all of them and not just for kids who have this idealized upbringing because that's not the reality for everyone unfortunately I wish it was (laughs) you know I wish our kids didn't have to deal with growing up before they should but they have to sometimes and sometimes they want to see themselves in those books or when they see themselves in those books they realize that what they're going through is they're not alone you know and I wish people sort of recognize that a bit more when they're when they're critiquing things yeah no I definitely agree I definitely agree. It's interesting because I think that there's such there's such a desire for things that are technically new adult mm-hmm. because new adult just isn't allowed to exist anymore, right. apparently. Uh, but then at the same time, it's juxtaposed with the fact that like there's another group of pe- people who are very adamant about like keeping 
books for like teens more clean quote unquote Mm -hmm. also i have an issue with the word clean because yes uh it it snowballs very easily into you being judgy about other Mm -hmm. people (laughs) yeah i don't i don't really listen too much to people who are like oh is that appropriate for kids i'm like you need to calm you need to calm down (laughs) yeah and you know there's a lot to be said also for the fact that sometimes authors do want to i've known so many authors who have written books that were meant to be adult or meant to fit in that new adult space and they're categorized as young adult and most of the time those authors are women and I think that there is something to I think that the people who are upset about sort of like YA that's like not YA quote-unquote men that's actually adult need to realize that I think that they're targeting the wrong people instead of authors they need to discuss it with like publishing as a whole because we would love for there to be a new adult category but every time people bring it up it's like oh new adult is not a thing new adult didn't work nobody knew how to categorize it nobody knew where to put it in bookstores so it's not going to work so what happens is we end up getting pushed into YA even authors who book whose books are adult are constantly categorized as YA usually if they're a woman or if they're female presenting and that's a problem that we have to it's an internalized bias that a lot of people don't realize that they have and it's something that people need to to recognize and discuss because it's a it's a lot of the reason why there's this like blurred line between YA and um, adult books sometimes yeah I don't have like very strict who is allowed to read what <laughs> opinions I never have. Like, if you like it, you can read it. When I was like 12, I was reading romance novels with like sex scenes. So. Oh, yeah, totally. I went straight from Goosebumps yeah. to like Stephen King and Daniel Steele. Are you kidding me? That was like a hot <laughs> mess when I was that age. Whatever. Yeah. This is Editor Cat. This is a potential time to put a commercial. <laughs> All right. Um, sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, oh, I should, I should really be thinking actively as we're recording <laughs> where I would put commercials. <laughs> For Luceli Luna, ghosts are more than just the family business. Shortly before Halloween, Luceli and her best friend Sid cast a spell that accidentally awakens malicious spirits, wreaking havoc throughout St. Augustine. Together, they must join forces with Sid's witch grandmother Babette and her tubby tabby chunk to fight the haunting head-on and reverse the curse to save the town and Luceli's firefly spirit before it's too late. With the family dynamics of Coco and action-packed adventure of Ghostbusters, Clarabel A. Ortega delivers both a thrillingly spooky and delightfully sweet debut novel with Ghost Squad, coming April 7, 2020 from Scholastic. Pre-order today at buyghostsquad.com. Okay, so I want to shift gears because as we kind of discussed before, you part of the reason why you got like a lot of your connections and things like that is because you became a part of the book world mm-hmm. when you first decided to get published. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it all the time. We talk about the idea that like finding your community and being a part of the book world and going online and just naturally existing and organically interacting with people is such a advantage and um, such a positive thing. It doesn't, it doesn't always have to be like a trash fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sure a lot of listeners like really want to hear a little bit more detail about how you went about it, what you, what you value about it, what you prioritize about it and um, why you decided to use and um, interact on the platforms that you use. 
is? Um, so, I mean, I love Twitter because I can just say, like, a random thing and it doesn't have to be, like, super thought out. Whereas, like, Instagram takes, like, a lot more effort. Like, Instagram, I feel like if you're not, if I'm not going to take, like, a really nice picture, then I'm not going to post anything. And that takes time and effort, you know? And on Twitter, I could just be like, whatever. I, like, is hot dog water soup like Ryan the solid did once whatever it was that he said that one time you could just say like the most random thought and it'll get have a it'll get a conversation going which is like a lot more fun for me I feel like it's like more text-based I guess there's so many publishing people on there it's like so much easier for me to like find authors and talk about books and like talk to readers um so yeah that's really why I'm on Twitter more so so I don't really prioritize any social media over the other for any specific thing um I usually like if I have something big to like post or announce I post on like both Twitter and Instagram the truth is that like I don't really think about it too much I just like go on there and just like say whatever (laughs) (laughs) and I just have fun with it and then and then and then there are days like there are days where like like leading up to like my book coming out like every week I would um release like a funny video with like music and stuff and like that was like very deliberate you know like because I wanted to like remind people in like a bigger way in a way that would like catch their attention like two weeks left like one week left you know Mm -hmm. and like those things I sort of like had planned out in my head ahead of time but in terms of in terms of everyday interaction I just sort of go on Twitter when I'm bored and (laughs) when I have like something like funny that I want to share or like some sort of insight that I want to share and then sometimes there's discussion going on and like I'll add to it you know but for the most part it's not like I don't really prioritize like one social media over another for anything I'm just usually on Twitter and if I happen to like take a nice picture I'll put it on Instagram (laughs) that's as far as my calculations go I mean that makes sense but I think and I think that part of it is because you just feel the most comfortable with navigating Twitter absolutely like even when you're like I hate Twitter you understand it the best right Right. Yeah. I've been on it for such a long time and it's like it, it, it does go really naturally for me. I think like my sense of humor works really well on Twitter as well. So it's just like a natural habitat for me. Me, a shit poster. I belong on Twitter. <laughs> well, I think that that's good advice in general is, of being like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, you analyzing what the best platform is for sales or whatever. It can just be like, well, I'm the most comfortable here, so I will stay here. 100%. I think that's always what it needs to be because at the end of the day, if you feel unhappy on any particular platform, you're going to end up abandoning it, abandoning it, abandoning it. You're going <laughs> English words. You're going to end up if you feel unhappy on any particular platform, you're going to end up abandoning it, like, sooner or later. Yay, you did, <laughs> I did it. it. You said the I said word. It. I'm keeping this oh, all in the episode. Fine. <laughs> it's, it's not, I'm blaming this on the mango white claw that I've been sipping this whole time. <laughs> oh, no, Clairvaux, you drunk? <laughs> I'm a little drunk. Um, It's fine. I'm allowed. I'm over 21. <laughs> that is true. Drink responsibly. I, I will. I'm home. Nobody's driving anywhere. It'll be fine. <laughs> but... But yeah, I always tell people that, like, just go to the social media that you have the most fun on. Like, if you could have seen me making, I made a video for Ghost Squad for the one week where 
the oh, I saw right video. where chunk and a ghost and a and jonathan ghost squad the skeleton famous skeleton of all my videos are dancing to get low by little john and the yang yang twins and if you could have seen how i was hysterically laughing as i was making that video like i was crying oh my god I said Lil John and the Yang Yang Twins. That's the wrong song. It's Lil John and the East Side Boys. Forgive me, hip hop gods. Oh my god. So I was just have I have so much fun when I make stuff. And like that is like my that is what I let guide me. Like, am I having fun making this? Like, am I having a good time? If the answer is yes, I'm gonna keep doing more of it. Because what's the point if I'm not having fun? Yeah. I think so. I think so, too. You know, I mean, and and we've said it before that some authors really don't even need to exist on social media. Right. Like, they are very comfortable not really being on it. And right. so if you are on it, then just go where you're comfortable and where you have fun and where it makes you happy. Right. I, I will also argue that it's sort of a privilege to not have to be on social media, right? Like, true. if you, true, if true, you true. have, like, if you have support that doesn't come from social media or like it's because you either have like publishing backing or you already have like your fan base of readers, right? But like think about a debut author right now who didn't have social media and their book is about to come out. Like think about yeah. someone who wasn't getting publishing support, publish their publisher support, any marketing. Literally the only thing that they would have right now is social media. So I think that if you can be on one platform, you should be. If you absolutely don't want to do it and you don't give a shit about having reach that belongs to you, then don't, you know, you don't have to do it. But I think that for me, right, this is my livelihood and I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to have a platform that I control because at any point in time, other things can be taken away from you. But if you have readers that you can communicate with somewhere, then you're always going to have that built-in support. And I think that's important. Yeah. I think so too. I, and I think you do make a good point. It's not that like some authors don't need to be on social media because social media doesn't add anything useful. I think it really does. But some of them don't have to be because they're privileged, like you said, or because they they don't want to. Right. Right. And like people are like, Suzanne Collins isn't on social media. Suzanne Collins wrote the fucking Hunger Games. All right. Did you write the Hunger Games? Did you write the Hunger Games? Also, she blew up before like social media was like a huge thing the way that it is now. You know what I mean? Like True. it's a different it. Things are constantly shifting. Things are constantly shifting. Yeah. And you you got to keep up with the times, bro, unless you're one of those lucky people who has that built-in support from your publisher. But it, unless if you don't, I mean, good luck getting people yeah. to pay attention to your book. Yeah. I mean, even Nora Roberts has a blog. Exactly. Nora does not need a blog. But boy, yeah. am I glad she has one because she it. has I some her, spicy her takes. <laughs> I love her general thoughts on things. And I like how she just comes out of the woodwork when, like, she can hear the cry of publishing and she's like, I'm needed. And then she writes, like, the best think piece and then she's like, goodbye. Or when it's time to sue somebody. <laughs> I know, right? No, I really do enjoy her presence. And here's the thing, too, is that, like, um, you and I were talking about this. We've noticed that, you know, at this time, you know, a lot of people are staying at home. A lot of people are self-quarantining and existing only virtually. And a lot of people are trying new things for the first time 
and there's growing pains with mm. it. I mean, it's it really and and you know whatever people's reasons were for not getting onto social media before now is their own personal reasons, but there's something to be said about like even now, you know, as you get onto Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or make a podcast, it's really important to make sure that you are, you know, putting the time in that's needed to have meaningful interaction on whatever platform you choose because you get out of it whatever you put in. And so Clarabelle and I are on a lot of different things. We're on Twitter, obviously, but we are on Instagram. We both have a YouTube personal YouTube Mm -hmm. channel. We have this podcast. Um, it, It does seem like we do everything, but it takes up a lot of our time, it does. you know, and, and we have chosen to put that time into it. Um, and whatever we're getting out of it is only because of the amount of time that we put into right. it. So, so yeah, that's probably one of, that would be what my biggest reason behind being like, just choose the one that you're most comfortable with because us doing five. Yeah, it is super, <laughs> it is lot. super time consuming. It's no joke. It's no joke for sure. Yeah. But I love, I love how you have to. I think that you uh, very much use platforms differently. You're not just like cross-posting the same thing over and over and over yeah, again, I, which I do appreciate. I try not to because I, I, much like getting the same Snapchat that the group got, as you used to do to me constantly, um, I'm like, <laughs> why am I getting this twice? I don't want it. I want to make sure you saw it. <laughs> I hate it. So I try not to do that with my own content. I try to make my own, like, even if the picture is the same, I'll try to put something different in the caption on Instagram than I would on Twitter um, because it's also two different completely so two different budge two completely different <laughs> social medias and different things you know get different social media's attention different um, platforms attention and you have to actually put some thought into it yeah but I agree I think you do a really good job with that thanks and, and I I had a I had an, a boyfriend who is now an ex who gave it's the only useful piece of advice that this person ever gave me <laughs> in our whole relationship and our whole like two plus year relationship. And he noticed that I had on I t- had, you know, yeah. how on some platforms you can go into the settings and you can toggle on like automatically post all of my posts onto Facebook, too. Yep. So I was doing that between uh, Facebook and Twitter. And so everything that was on my Facebook was also on Twitter and vice versa. And he was like, don't do that. (laughs) He was like, it's, it's boring. And you know, so he was like, people want to, if they're following you on both, they probably, they want you to say different things or else they'd only be following you on one Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't have to follow you on both. And, um, cause he worked in marketing. Smart. I was like, ugh, fine. So I turned it off and, and I have to admit, it was good advice. <laughs> He's still ugly, and we hate him. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't very nice to me, but that's I'll a different story. <laughs> yeah, the, the only time I ever like once in a blue moon, I will share something from Instagram like manually to Twitter, is if like the first line is like juicy enough to make people want to click on my Instagram because it always gets me followers. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I do like that. I do like that. I'll do that once in a blue for a little spice. If it starts with, like, I've never been more upset in my life. And then it'll be, like, something stupid. But, like, people will be like, clickbait! (laughs) 
and they'll just like <laughs> run to it. Oh my gosh. You're like those accounts on, on Twitter that was like, you'll never guess what this waitress did to this, to this rude customer. And But you click on it and it's like a whole backstory of like, when the waitress was born in Arkansas, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what the hell, man? That's me. I get so mad. Or like the original like clickbait thing is never in the actual blog post itself and it's like a whole bunch of other not as cool stuff i hate that oh my gosh hate that makes to me see so it. bad and th- here's some here's some advice off of that for people for who are just getting to social media now don't do clickbait yeah don't <laughs> definitely don't unless it's don't, the claribel kind like, that i just described that's okay once in a blue moon but when i say once in a blue moon funny. it's like once a year like twice a year like yeah so it's like not often it's like every once in a while I do still get rickrolled, <laughs> but because it's like literally once a year, I will still laugh at it. I will be like, I cannot believe you got me. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> that will. I don't know why that that's the meme that is lasting beyond the years. It's because it's you know it's good. That song is like iconic. It's so I didn't. Isn't there a thing where he like rickrolled at a he himself rickrolled something? I think so. It was like a it was parade. Like the Thanksgiving Day parade. Yeah. It was like they were they were playing like music and then all of a sudden he like came up from below. <laughs> <laughs> the, the I love it. I love it so much. That's I I like that too. I think you know what's really what's really fun right now is never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down. People are being really creative on how they're posting things because there's a lot of white noise these days. Yeah, for sure. I mean, thankfully, I've been shit posting from since the dawn of time. So this someone I did an interview and someone was like, "It's almost like you've been training for this moment your whole life." And I was like, "You know what? I kind of have." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I did a, I did a last minute podcast interview. And they were asking me like fairly straightforward questions, mm-hmm. but I was like, let's turn this into like a philosophical discussion about like diversity <laughs> conversations in YA. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, no, this is, this is very interesting content. It's like you have a podcast normally. <laughs> and I was like, it is like that, isn't it? <laughs> That's so funny. <sighs> yeah. All right. Oh, I never get to do this part. This is always your yeah. part. So... For, I'm so excited. <laughs> for every for every guest we have on Ride or Die, we ask them to either tell us their most embarrassing publishing story or what they wish they had known when they first got started. You can do either or. You can do both. Whatever you prefer. I'm trying to think if there was like an embarrassing story. I don't get easily embarrassed. Um, That's true. You just embarrass me all yeah. the time. <laughs> I feel like I don't have an embarrassing story. You never got embarrassed in front of, like, your favorite author or mm, anything? No. Interesting. <laughs> you never, you never, <laughs> you never got pantsed in public? I never got pantsed in public, no. Um, especially not, like, at a book show or anything like that. Yeah, I don't think I've had, like, an embarrassing, which is funny because I've spoken on, like, so many panels and shit already. Like, I feel like I should have a story, but, and maybe I do, but, like, my brain didn't register it as embarrassing because I was like, who cares? <laughs> also possible that like somebody else might have been embarrassed by it but you were like it's fine and people were like okay yeah <laughs> no one that's reacted very to it. possible because it when especially when it comes to like 
being in book situations i'm just like i'm just like fine i'm just happy to be there um i guess i could have been embarrassed the time that i met lee bardugo because norma like pushed me in front of her as like go meet her but like lee had just met her favorite author and lee was crying so like i like i automatically went into like mom mode like like we met like me comforting her like immediately and then like from there it was just like so easy to talk to her but that was not embarrassing at all i I guess it could have been but it wasn't so i guess i'll go with the boring one which i hate but i'm gonna be that guy and do um something i wish i'd known before i started okay i wish i knew that just because my journey doesn't look how i envisioned it to look in the beginning doesn't mean that i'm not successful and what i mean by that is that when i first started i really had like a clear vision of like what i wanted my career to be and how i wanted it to look and like the path that i wanted to take to get to those goals and it was definitely not anything that i could have imagined or pictured the whole process has thrown me so many curveballs but I still feel incredibly accomplished and happy to be where I am. I've wanted to be a writer literally since I was like in first grade. So the fact that I am an author now and I'm going to be published tomorrow, I'm so proud of myself. And the journey just makes for so much more of an interesting story for me to tell. And it doesn't hurt. Like those things that hurt me at the time, like getting my book pushed and like being you know tricked by a publisher like everyone's like I'm so sorry that happened to you and it's like it's cool you know all those things made me stronger and made me the person that I am today and also gave me all of these tools to be able to help other authors which is like as much of a passion for me as writing is like being able to help authors and like talk to them and tell them hey this is what happened to me and I'm fine means it's so 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 important to me that I'm grateful that I had those experiences because now I'm not just talking out of my butt I'm talking from experience of suffering <laughs> and I've been there uh, something happened it ha- probably happened to me and um and I can tell you that I got through it and I'm here and despite all the hardships I'm still smiling and I'm so proud of myself and I'm so excited about being an author and writing books yay yay cool yay so I'm so excited for your books I'm so excited for all the things the creative things that you're doing it's very inspiring and very cool thanks boo well, thanks for being on Writer Talk. I don't know how to end this. You're so supposed to so much for being on Writer tell Talk, me Carabelle. where people can follow me on the internets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is staying in the episode. Um, so, Clarabelle, can you let all of our listeners know where they can find you on the internet? Uh, sure. So, you can find me on um, both Twitter and Instagram at Clarabelle underscore Ortega. And my website is ClarabelleOrtega.com. My blog is there. You can sign up for my newsletter. Um, you can find me on all my other social media through my website. And, yeah, that's it. And go get Ghost Squad. Yeah. BuyGhostSquad.com. Comes out tomorrow. Woo! Yeah, woo! <laughs> um, yeah. And obviously, we'll have everything linked below, as we have Clarabelle's links on every single episode. Yeah, we're going to have them but twice we will now. Double link. <laughs> double link straight across the sky. Uh, also an old meme. I'm sorry. I am old. Um, okay. Thanks, Clarabelle, for being on this Thanks episode. Thanks for having me. It was wonderful. You didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Sorry.
Thanks for listening to Red or Die. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a review, and while you're at it, be sure to pick up Wicked Fox by me, Cat Show, and Ghost Squad by Clarabel A. Ortega. See you next time, Wordies. And don't forget to spread the word. <laughs>